Sean Castro, the CEO of FreeApps.com, and you're listening to the App Guy Podcast. The App Guy Podcast. Straight from your host, Paul, the App Guy. Sharing his app entrepreneur journey with you for your enjoyment. And now, Paul, the App Guy. Welcome to another episode of the App Guy Podcast. I am your host, it's Paul Kemp, and I am thrilled that we have an excellent co-founder to talk to. Uh, So if you are an indie app developer, if you're any developer, or even if you're working full-time and you're just interested in some additional services that can really help us out, then I'm going to be talking through uh, an interesting journey. His name is um, uh, Raji Buram, and he is the co-founder and CEO of Amigo Cloud. Amigo Cloud, and he's going to tell us all about how that integrates with um, geo information systems, mobile apps, and uh, map collection. So lots of interesting stuff to talk about. Uh, Raji, it's a warm welcome to you on the App Guy podcast. Hi, how you doing? Yeah, great. Thank you very much. Now, so this is your, is it your first company? It's my second company, actually. Yeah, what was your, so you've uh, had already a good run. What, what was your first company? Uh, the first one was called Modewalk, uh, and it was sold to a company in New York. Oh, terrific. So you've already been through the mill, and you know what you're doing. <laughs> well, um, th- what we would love to do then is just understand a little bit about you as an entrepreneur and what you're trying to do with Amigo Cloud. So Amigo Cloud is a mobile and cloud uh, GIS platform that's a geographic information system it's a mapping platform so when most people think about maps um, they think google maps but um, you know maps are more than that right there's mapping data about parcels that is used to uh, you know pay taxes figure out how much you owe in taxes sewer lines transit lines bus stops i mean you name it there's um pretty much everything that is out on the field that is managed by somebody, whether it's a utility company or a a city and a county, a local government of some sort, um, it's managed with uh, geospatial data. And and so what we do is we do enterprise uh, mapping software. Well, that is a fantastic explanation. And I'm guessing that you have some uh, extremely good clients because you're doing a lot of enterprise stuff. Yeah, so we have, uh, we basically launched in May and uh, we have a few state agencies. We got uh, transportation authorities as well as uh, small size companies also um, doing, using our software to do uh, visualization of their geographic information and uh, basically grabbing all the data and putting it out on mobile devices and uh, editing it while they're offline. There's tons of interesting things that people are doing with maps. Yeah, no, it sounds great. And you are—are are you monetizing it the same way as Google monetized Google Maps? Uh, no, not not really. I mean, Google Maps is mostly ad based. They they have also a a pro version, but that's not where most of the money comes from. Um, the way that we do it is uh, the, the main product that we're selling right now is a data collection solution. So we monetize it uh, in a standard SaaS model. You know, how many users you're using. This is how much is going to cost you up, uh, per month. And depending on the functionality that they need, for example, if they have a, I don't know, like Oracle Spatial, SQL Server Spatial that they want to connect to, then it's, a, you know, some add-ons that you can get to your standard uh, SaaS pricing. Yeah. So I'm trying to think then uh, for the Apps to Tribe listeners listening to this show right now, if they're developing an app that is an almost like an enterprise app or an app that is uh, for uh, a 
public services or anything that needs uh, mapping of above and beyond what you can get from Google Maps, then they can go to Amigo Cloud and they can get uh, easy integration with your backends to then uh, pull that into their own apps. Yeah, that's correct. I mean, the way that we build the Amigo Cloud platform is we always uh, think about it API first. In fact, um, so first we first develop the APIs and then we build the GUIs on top. So there's actually, when you look at our API browsers and you look at the functionality that we expose through that, you'll notice that there's always like previews of what's going to come because the APIs get deployed first, they get tested, and then we build the GUIs to consume them. I have to say that, Raji, you actually only started in May and it sounds like you're doing phenomenally well. I mean, how did you come up with this idea uh, to tell us, perhaps you can walk us through, you know, the inception of this idea and then how, how you actually managed to get the business off the ground. Yeah, so I've actually been doing geospatial programming um, as an engineer for a long time. It's uh, about 13, 14 years. I don't know. I've lost counts after you. <laughs> <laughs> but basically, I, I used to work for a company called ESRI, Esri, which is basically the the the, the big player in this space. Um, and then I moved to different companies. I went to Microsoft. I worked at uh, Microsoft Flight Simulator, doing a lot of their uh, geospatial uh, tooling. Uh, and like most people don't know this, like when you're playing a Microsoft Flight Simulator, all the data that you fly over is based on real geographic information uh, data. And, and so, you know, we used to write a lot of tools for that. And then I've done a lot of GIS throughout the year. So um, although we launched in May, we actually have been working on this with my co-founder part-time for a longer time. So we were doing other things and, and working this on the side in about... Uh, almost a year and three months ago, decided to go at it uh, uh, full time. Well, well, Raji, first of all, I have to say that uh, one of my very good friends was uh, absolutely addicted to Microsoft Simulator, and he <laughs> so much so that he would actually uh, set it off um, from London to New York and go to bed, and wake up in the morning to land, <laughs> and then and then yeah. crash. <laughs> so people do that. I mean, basically, uh, you can play with the timing, and you can actually set it to real time mode. So flights that would take you. Um, you know, 12 hours, 18 hours to do, you know, people play it like that. And then there's uh, traffic controllers. I mean, the, there's there's a serious crowd there that really likes into uh, to get into the realism of uh, flight sim. Well, I feel, I feel very honored that, you know, you're one of the founding engineers behind all that stuff. And uh, that, uh, you know, obviously that this gave you then your experience to then, you know, come out and you had your first company launch that, then then come up with this idea for Amigo Cloud. And so how, how do you feel like your previous experience set you up for success in, in this current space? Yeah, just to clarify the stuff with the flight simulator, right? Like I worked there as an engineer in the team, like actually flight simulator was, had been going on even before Microsoft Windows and DOS. So it was while I was still very young. Right, okay, yeah. <laughs> Uh, we thought we had a coup because we've had some really great guests. You know, we've had uh, the uh, found the founding engineer of um, Crash Bandicoot who uh, did all that stuff. Uh, I thought we'd managed to get the guy who did the flight simulator, but you. No, I, I would have to have been born like really, really early 
before I was really born. But, <laughs> yeah, but you, you you made it you made it good basically. Yeah, yeah, it was good. I mean, we I, we used to put in uh, real geographic uh, data for for example, right? Um, there were a lot of spin-offs that were using the same engine. It was Train Simulator was one of them, and so you would basically load in geographic information from uh, you know roads, and then what the engine would do is you know, draw like the actual vehicles in there. So what we ended up doing was, um, you know, a lot of GIS, a lot of big data processing. That's how I decided at some point is like, hey, I'm going to move from Redmond and I want to go to San Francisco. That's where all the startups are. And I want to learn how startups work. And I started working at different, you know, smaller size companies um, just to understand how entrepreneurship really works. How is it that you raise funding, how is it that you talk to VCs, and um, and yeah, and then after that, it was, let's solve a problem that we know really well, which in this case was uh, mapping, so that's sort of how we came to be at Amigo Cloud. Now, Raji, I'm going to pick you up on that part of the journey, because that is the most fascinating. I get a lot of questions uh, from the listeners about how do you go from being a very good employee uh, he was very used to getting a salary and and how do you do that leave that and, and literally start your own company so you had the good fortune of going down to San Francisco because that's where a lot of the action is happening how challenging was it for you to almost switch mindsets from uh, an employee to you know running your own company yeah it, it's a little bit you're gonna be a little bit crazy too because <laughs> if you're working for a company that pays all the bills to give you stability, um, you have to like that, right? And if you don't like it, if you get bored out of doing the same things over and over, that's when you know that probably you should be doing something else. I'm all of the belief that whatever it is that you do, you should be happy doing it. And so in my case, um, I knew that I wanted uh, to create a particular product with you know my bare hands. Like if you look at the code, the initial commits for Amigo Cloud, um, you know, those are mine, right? I was working on the entire server and the front end and the back end and the architecture. And then gradually as the team grew, now we're uh, 12 altogether, then, you know, CEO can't be coding at that stage. Then I have to be doing uh, the other things, which is, you know, talking to customers, making sure they're happy, talking to investors. And, and so there's an entire transition there. It's almost like learning a new programming language, right? You got to change your mental shift in how you do things. And so I find it fun. Um, it's just, I don't know if it's for everybody, but if you find it interesting, then that's probably a good sign. Yeah, well, it's for most people listening to the show because that's what they listen for is the stories like yourself that we're going through right now, uh, the inspirational kind of transformations from you know being an excellent uh, almost employee to doing your own thing and, and, and that transition and just not taking it lightheartedly, but you know, understanding it's it's a roller coaster of a ride. Uh, how did you uh, end up raising the, the money then? I'm guessing that you uh, went out and sought uh, venture capital money or angel money to get uh, Amigo Cloud uh, up and running. Yeah. So, I mean, all that stuff is not released out there, but you're, you're right. Um, oh, yeah, well, we don't need to go through details if you don't want to. But, uh, yeah, no, I mean, I can tell you roughly, basically we raised uh, angel money um, and, uh, you know, uh, we raised money. We're also venture backed. So there's GovTech fund 
is uh, our main lead there. Um, and uh, yeah, I mean, it's work. I mean, raising money is is a lot of work. It's almost like <laughs> you got to make sure that you have a team when you're doing it because it's truly a, a full time position and you can't really do anything else. Um, yeah, well, we, we, we've actually spoken to a lot of entrepreneurs who have said exactly the same thing that when you get into uh, fundraising if you can bootstrap the first initial uh, I guess a uh, minimum viable product then you know f- the fundraising can actually take uh, 50 to, to 75 percent of your time almost uh, because you seems like every second week you're fundraising w- what was it like then because you know a lot of us haven't gone through that experience uh, and we'd love to know what, what it was initially like to get the endorsement from investors. Uh, is it a case where you then just suddenly get a load of cash in the bank and you can start hiring and, and building out the, uh, the company? Yeah, I mean, it, it's getting the first one to say yes is the most difficult thing, right? Nobody wants to be the first person to invest in a company because, you know, by, by almost by definition, like you are uh, taking the highest risk. And so... Um, yeah, once you find the first one, then it becomes a lot uh, easier. Um, you know, you 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 have to obviously choose the the right way that you're going to raise money. Whether it's a convertible note, or you're going to do a price round. There's multiple different ways of doing it, and there are really good books that guide you um, through that. Uh, but yeah, I mean, you have to reserve basically. A big chunk of your time and realize that hey if you're fundraising you're fundraising and um you know you need to get pretty much everybody together uh to agree and then you know you once you start doing your closings you can do rolling close or you can do close at once um then you just get all of a sudden you look at your bank account and it's like boom there's a whole bunch of money um and the money is not there just so you sit on it the money is there so um you execute on a plan and so that's when uh, it, ideally you should already, you know, be talking to a whole bunch of people, knew, know who's going to jump in. Uh, ideally, you would already have people that have committed to be full time into uh, the job before you do that. Because otherwise you end up into this chicken and the egg problems. It's like, well, I'll give you the money, but are these guys really committed to being full time? You want to kind of disable that and say like, hey, listen, I have all these guys that are already full time. Um, and that makes everybody uh, feel more comfortable and also switches the conversation to be more about the business versus the commitment that either co-founders or uh, employees uh, have. And I, I was thinking, actually, uh, I'll be putting some of these uh, things that we're mentioning in the show notes. And so if you're listening and you want to refer to what we're talking about, just go to episode 199, uh, go to the There's a search function there if you need it. You mentioned some books Raji, and uh, do, you, do you happen to remember what, one or two books that really helped you out? Yeah, I mean, th- th- there's quite a few. I think uh, for fundraising, um, Brad Feld has a good one. I think it's called Venture Deals. Um, that's a really excellent book on it. It basically ex- explains all the instruments that you would use for raising uh, capital and like the gotchas. Um, and then, you know, Y Combinator and other accelerators or incubators also publish a lot of guides, right? Um, good place to look at is, uh, I think, um, Naval from AngelList also used to have a website with a lot of information. I mean, there's multiple resources that you can go to. For, for sure, that Brad Feld book is, is excellent. 
That's wonderful then. So you uh, you have your company, you've raised all the money and you have now, it's May 2014, you've got a ready-made team that's already said yes to you. And uh, you start, what do you do next? Do you, um, you know, at what point did you launch Amigo Cloud? Yeah, that's where it gets difficult. <laughs> yeah. The other part you can plan, the rest of the part is basically um, worrying about, uh, you know, your adoption, worrying about whether you have the right market fit. Because um, basically at, that, at the moment that you have the money and you really have the team, you're executing on a vision. And you need to make sure that, you know, you got to keep track of, of what you're doing and you got to, you know, make sure that the company is growing. And so that's where you start seeing uh, uh, the tweaks that you have to do uh, to your business model, to your marketing material. And so like if you're an engineer like me, for example, you better have somebody else that knows this stuff better than you do because, you know, guess what? Um, there's going to be a lot of uh, sales calls and a lot of uh, marketing material you're going to be writing uh, as a founder. Um, it's not all about just writing code that point well there's two things we like to do on this show uh, raji who uh there's well there's basically we would love to flesh out an idea for an app from you a lot of the uh, listeners uh, are app developers and and look for new ideas uh, i'm almost tempted to go down the route of uh, trying to figure out what we can do with your data because mm. um I can imagine there could be really some very cool apps that are not only for enterprise, but perhaps for consumer as well, uh, yeah. that could really make the most of uh, all the sort of tools that you're providing. Yeah, I mean, so so there's this really interesting movement that is happening now nowadays in, in government, right, which is just the, the whole open data movement in general. And so you will notice that a lot of cities and counties and any kind of public organization that start to publish all their data out. And so a lot of that data in, in just various open data portals is geographic in nature. Um, you have things, you know, anywhere from crime to value of parcels to value of, uh, you know, you name it. You go to your city, you know, type open data, um, shape files or something like that, and you'll get all kinds of information that is local to you. What you can do is um, you can basically go create a free account in Amigo Cloud, upload any of those geographic uh, data sets, and all of a sudden um, you have a powerful backend where you can do um, geospatial uh, SQL queries on it. So you can do things like, hey, find, you know, all the crime spots, find all the houses that are next to the crime spots where, like, you know, it intersects with this type of demographic data. And, and so you can start correlating uh, open data sets uh, using our, our APIs and then generating maps out of that, right? And then at that point, it becomes not an issue. It's like, what's a cool app that I can write? It's like, go look at your local open data sets um, you know your area better than anybody else, and then see, it's like, hey, what is it that I can do with this data? All of a sudden, you realize that there are things like, I can automatically get, I don't know, like health notifications of, um, you know, my, my the restaurants that I go to. I know, like, basically all the inspection reports are there. So there are various, various interesting things that you can do with that just by looking at the open data portals of your own city. 
I mean, literally, the uh, opportunities are endless. And uh, I'd love to try and flesh out a little bit more about this open data. So what you're basically saying, I'm guessing it's primarily for the US, but perhaps global as well, in that uh, you're saying that the governments that are putting the data into the back end, uh, all the statistics on crime, for example, you know, we can actually pull that uh, and use that data openly with, without uh, what any kind of um, fee or interference from the uh, owner of that data. Yeah, yeah. So you're so for example in the UK, right? Like there's this data.gov.uk that you can go to. And they have huge amounts of geospatial data and also tabular data um, about pretty much, I mean, you go browse it, you'll find everything. <laughs> and so what you can do with Amigo Cloud is you can grab it, and, and normally you come in various formats. So, so that's the tricky thing about geospatial data. They come in in like a whole range of formats. It could be shape files, file geodatabases, CSVs, JSONs, Vector, AutoCAD. And so what we provide is an easy interface for you to just zip everything up and just hit upload to Amigo Cloud. And we grab those raw files, we unzip it, we throw in the right parser, we throw them in a geospatial database in the cloud, uh, we start creating spatial indexing. So we make it really easy to consume that data. At the end of the day, all it takes for an app developer is to upload the zip file, and then they can use one of our REST endpoints to query it and visualize it and analyze it. And so at that point, it becomes, what is it that you want to build with this geospatial database in the cloud? Now, we have certain data sets that we give, but mostly it's just base layers that say, hey, put this data you know, you know, underneath your own data, style your own data however you want to style it, um, do this REST calls to analyze it, uh, throw it on your app, and then at that point becomes like, well, what is it? How would you use a database, right? <laughs> it, it, that's that's We're basically an infrastructure company at that point. Well, you know, what's wonderful about this discussion is that uh, we, you know, for anyone who's one of my long-term listeners, we can start stitching together all these different ideas from all the different episodes. So I recall uh, coming up with an idea in one of my previous episodes where uh, they wanted to be able to walk down the road and find... Uh, any any famous people that have died <laughs> and so yeah. you know get an alert or, or maybe you know like a really notorious murder scenes where uh, you can then get that information to your phone and uh, and then you stitch that with the uh, another episode where you have like this augmented reality overlay so i can imagine you know you have an overlay of uh, the the information about that crime for example or that celebrity that died in that particular location so you have like almost this virtual digit this digital world that we're walking around getting all this information and and being a uh, geo specific yeah yeah and it's interesting i've just like opened up that data.gov.uk uh site right and every country has their own open data portal and so i'm just glancing through the things that are here right like there's stuff live traffic information from the highways agencies there's stuff to about road safety data land registry price paid data um there's data about building prices social trends uh, i mean you name it um elevation models uh health surveys driving license data uh regional household income i can go on forever right and it's like at that point it becomes what 
cool app can I build from this? So if you're looking for landmarks or something like, hey, what are like the, uh, you know, famous people that have uh, died here? Like, I'm sure you can find at least an initial data set that you can use to seed that database and then you can basically keep adding your own. So geospatial data is fun stuff. Oh, it's, it's hugely fun. I mean, I'm remembering the chat with uh, Trevor Page and uh, it's one of my earlier episodes and he created an alarm that would adjust according to the traffic so we could pull your traffic data that you just mentioned on uh, that, that source and uh, put it into the alarm clock and then the alarm automatically adjusts, give or take half an hour, uh, based on, uh, you know, the traffic to work. <laughs> so. yeah. yeah, you can basically, uh, so those are called geofences too, right? Like you can create geofences uh, using Amigo Cloud. You put an area and basically if something enters the area or exits the area, you can trigger an alert. And, and so uh, there's interesting, I mean, we're doing this project right now with VTA as a Valley Transportation Authority. It's like one of the uh, organizations here that manages uh, the local buses and light rails and a lot of transportation uh, uh, vehicles. And so like, th there are so many cool things that people are doing with real-time information. Like we're starting to tap into other sensors that people don't have, like, you know, how many uh, people are in a bus, right? Like all the buses pretty much in the U.S. know how many people are in the bus, but all those systems are separated. Uh, wow. And so, like, we now start exposing things like that. How many bikes are on the bike rack? I mean, it will blow your mind once you know. We'll, we'll have some really cool things with that. It's just it's a phenomenal world. And the fact that we're carrying around with us, you know, these most powerful computing devices uh, that can actually access all that stuff is absolutely, it's just phenomenal. And I'm almost thinking back on... Um, uh, a BMW campaign uh, in Berlin uh, where they uh, had this uh, uh, competition to win a um, mini, mini, a BMW mini. And the, the idea was that, um, again, using geofencing. So if you uh, held the ticket, it would be on your device. But if someone came within the uh, geofence of you, uh, that they could, uh, if they got within a certain distance, they could steal the ticket from you. <laughs> yeah, so yep. that, yeah, that was a really successful campaign. Yeah, there's a tag. I think I've seen another one. I don't remember. I saw it in one of the conferences here in San Francisco where they it's like a tag zombie game. And, and basically everybody is running with the app. And if you get close to them, then you turn them into a zombie. And, and so there's fun games that people start playing with that. You get points for having the app running, but then if somebody gets close to you when the app is running, then you sort of lose points and they steal the flag. I don't know if it's a capture of the flag type of thing. Uh, but there's different variations of that game, but it, those are fun things that people do with geospatial data. And just to say, you could actually build that with Amigo Cloud, no problem whatsoever, using our APIs. You wouldn't have to worry about backends. You wouldn't have to worry about scaling that. You would just use our API. You get the geofencing. You get the visualization. All that. Raji, where were you when I was building the uh, my zombie app? I, I built a zombie app where uh, it was actually based on the, the Walking Dead series where you uh, you could actually find the uh, filming locations of uh, where they actually filmed some of the uh, scenes. And uh, then get like a virtual tour using my app. But I needed you, my friend. Uh, <laughs> yeah. 
I so, was I was building Amigo Cloud as well. <laughs> <laughs> it wasn't quick enough. <laughs> uh, but that's amazing. I mean, literally, I had a lot of fun building that app, and uh, you know, I've had some uh, really interesting feedback. But uh, I mean, the, 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 actually, the, the possibilities are endless. We could talk for hours on this stuff, and I'm just so thrilled that you know you've explained it in a way that now must be getting a lot of people listening to this really, really, really excited uh, because you've taken the all the headache away from doing all that stuff, and, and literally just making it so easy. So, uh, thank you very much for building Amigo Cloud and. Uh, um, yeah, well, the the final thing before we say goodbye, we just have to squeeze in this uh, little slot, which is uh, we'd love to know one or two apps that you may use on your smartphone that you could recommend uh, that you may think we've we've not come across. Uh, are you a smartphone? Are you an app user? Do, do you carry a smartphone? Of course, <laughs> all the time, right? Yeah. Um, I guess the ones that it, I, I'm not going to say Amigo Cloud, even though I use that a lot. <laughs> You're very welcome to say it. I hope um, it's on the home screen. Yeah, it is. It is, actually. Um, I guess one that I use a lot would be, um, let's see, Asana. That's to do the to-dos, right? To get the to-do list. That's a very popular one that I use a lot. Um, and another one, um, let's see. We use a lot of Instacart. I don't know why I didn't know about that, but that's just to do delivery of, you know, I'm like so busy that basically I do my shopping on my phone and they have it delivered at home. Oh, <laughs> so by the time oh, I get okay. home, all the, all the food is there. And so they literally, you know, you with Instagram, you press the button, you put whatever it is that you want from the different stores and you, you put uh, a time when you uh, are going to be home and, it, somebody comes in to my kitchen, basically drops all this stuff, which is awesome. Oh, wow. I think that's actually uh, something uh, probably only in the US. Uh, it's called Instacart. Yeah. Yeah. Right. Okay. And you have to actually be uh, at home for them to drop the food off. They don't drop it into some kind of uh, storage near. near uh... Yeah. You, you put a window when you're going to be there. And then usually, basically, I don't know, uh, the UK, there must be something similar. But here there's certain stores where you have to have a subscription, like, you know, when you buy Costco or something, right? Like this, it requires a membership because they sell you everything in bulk. So with this, I don't even have to have membership to a lot of these places because it's included. So I say, you know, get me, I don't know, 60 rolls of toilet paper and like, you know, this many kilos of meat and like this fruit, you put it all on the app, I pay with it. Um, and sometimes they call you and say, hey, you know, this brand of soda that you were looking for is not there. Is it OK if I replace, you know, Coke with Pepsi? And you're like, sure, I don't really care. <laughs> and so and, and then, yeah, and then I just go home. I'm I'm there and, you know, between seven and eight and the food gets delivered and, you know, I'm watching TV. I don't have to carry all that stuff from from the store. I love that. It really is. A, it's just a wonderful time we live in. The fact that you know all these uh, menial chores that you know our parents probably uh, had to go through. You know, we just uh, mitigate them and uh, you know can just focus on the interesting stuff. <laughs> so, uh, well, uh, I've had a, a thrilling time talking with you, Raji. You're such uh, an inspiring uh, entrepreneur, and uh, we're so glad you joined us on the App Guy podcast. Uh, all the show notes and all the things we've mentioned will be uh, at theappguy.co. Just uh, one episode one nine nine. Just go and check it out now. Uh, how best can we uh, reach out and connect? Uh, what's the best way of getting in touch for anyone who's listening and has been really inspired by you? 
Sure. It's uh, Raji, R-A-G-I at AmigoCloud.com. And if anybody is interested, also they can go to AmigoCloud.com, you know, go on the upper right and create an account, a free account, try it out. If there's something you like, if you got any questions, you know, feel free to email me um, directly and I'll try to help my best. Wonderful. Well, thanks very much for, you know, uh, what an interesting journey. I'm sure there's a lot of people now who are uh, scribbling down, you know, like lots of ideas. So thanks for joining us on the App Guy podcast. You are welcome back anytime, my friend. And uh, it's been just wonderful going through you. Appreciate it.